Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Noel Budapest explains his path to becoming an investment analyst at one of the top asset managers in the world, how he landed a summer internship at Google, and then a bulge bracket investment banking internship his junior year, what he did when he was forced to move back home after graduation from London to Budapest when he failed to get a return offer, and some critical advice for the younger listeners still in school. Enjoy. All right, Noel Budapest, thank you so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a quick overview of your background. Sure. So uh, I did my bachelor studies in economics in London. I went to a uh, university in London. Um, during my studies, I was really focused on getting as much extracurricular uh, activities on my CV as possible just to uh, boost my chances for later full-time and internship applications. Uh, that's how I ended up doing um, um, a volunteering project in Kenya uh, in my first year. Um, the second year, I think that first year volunteering project helped me to get into um, marketing consulting role at Google. And I think that internship had me to get into a budget bracket uh, investment bank uh, in London in my third year. Uh, after finishing that internship, um, I actually ended up in asset management. Can you wait, before uh, we go further, can when you go back to that first internship? You said you did something in Kenya? Yes, that was a volunteering project uh, where... Um, so that's different, that actually, stood that stood out, and you think that helped you land at Google, which eventually helped you get into into a bulge bracket investment bank. But can you just tell me how you found that specific position? Because I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think I think that that probably really stood out um, and probably made you more marketable, more interesting. So can you tell me about how you found that in during your undergrad and where you even yeah, where someone sure. would look for uh, something so, like that? Um, in my first year, I was really focused on getting an internship uh, potentially in finance. Um, but unfortunately, there weren't any uh, kind of proper internship opportunities uh, for first-year students. It's much more uh, traditional, at least in, in the UK, um, to have like second-year second students go in to do internships. Right. Or penultimate-year students. Right. Um, so for the first year, it, it was kind of I was looking under every rock, like, how I can find any 
like work experience opportunities. Um, and that's how I came across um, a scholarship volunteering project. I mean, it was a volunteering project at, that was um, uh, supported by the university. So they would pay for my kind of cost of living in the country and, and project costs and so forth. Um, and that that was actually organized by a company called Balloon Ventures. Mm-hmm. So this company uh, does these you know, project volunteering project work in doubling countries. Balloon uh, Ventures is so called Balloon Ventures. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's how I ended up in in Kenya to help uh, local businesses, essentially, kind of uh, in strategic planning and. And uh, better organizing the finances. So for so the so I think the lesson here is is for freshmen who can't find a finance internship, you go to Balloon Ventures, and go to a developing <laughs> country and help them because then your path was set kind of seeming from there. No, just just kidding. Obviously, it's it it showed that you maybe kind of thought outside the box. It showed that you were willing to kind of give back. It showed that you were able to get some. You were able to get some marketable skills too it looks like you did some uh, good research and yeah, I think, analyzed businesses i think that that project with balloon ventures was uh really giving me the kind of the skills that the recruiters were looking for later when i was applying for investment banking or for uh like larger technology companies um and that's how we came to google so in my my second year, I applied to a wide range of, again, finance uh, firms uh, in in the UK and also to other interesting tech companies uh, that I was curious about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually, in my second year, I ended up getting uh, an offer both from a leading asset manager mm-hmm. as well as uh, from, from Google. Um, and the reason why I picked Google is because just... <laughs> out of curiosity to be honest um, and it was really a great experience but having that having had that uh, opportunity to experience uh, an internship there uh, really made me realize that uh, although it was a great company and I learned a ton mm-hmm. uh, marketing was doesn't it, it just wasn't for me um, so that's how I ended up applying for IB uh, eventually in, in my third year Great. So you you had you know the name brand of Google on your resume. Did you receive any sort of? Uh, were you doing enough stuff during school where you had like a finance focus because you went from a you know balloon ventures to Google? Did you do? Did you have enough for people where it was believable that you wanted to actually be in finance? Um, that's. Or like, was it a struggle to yeah, get that, your that, internship, your, yeah, your that, summer that, internship? That's a good question. So um, to be honest, I was expecting a lot of questions around that. You know, uh, why am I sort of jumping from, from marketing to IB? Yep. And to be honest, it's just like, if you know yourself and you know what you're interested in, I think it's a pretty clear explanation mm-hmm. why you would like to move into a more finance-focused kind of analyst position instead of uh, marketing. And to be honest, like, so having explained that uh, 
surprised briefly, to be honest. Um, they were actually after asking more questions about like, yeah, okay, like what projects I worked in uh, or worked on at, at Google instead of uh, m- why am I? Right. So they're more yeah, they're more curious, but they're yeah they're more curious about the skills you developed, not exactly. They weren't question. Exactly. They weren't questioning your yeah. desire to be in by IB. Yeah, they were just more got it. Okay. Uh, actually, my experience with investment banks, at least in the UK, is uh, that they are really looking for a diverse talent base. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was doing the internship, I, I I came across individuals who were who had a really strong interest in finance, but but didn't didn't do finance before, or they were coming from a completely different uh, kind of major. Um, that they were doing at university. Okay, that's fair. So I think that, yeah, that that's what made them also uh, kind of very supportive about my background in marketing. Okay, so you you did so you ended up landing a bold bracket internship in London. Are you originally from London? No, I'm from uh, Budapest. You're from Budapest. Okay, so you're from Budapest. You but you were in school in undergrad in in London. So you had yeah access to the on campus recruiting. I assume. Um. Correct, but that actually didn't help as much as uh, I hoped for. So how did you land this internship? Yeah, how did you get this? I I, I really hope that the brand name name of the university where I was going to is going to help me to um, secure almost any type of job out there, but that wasn't really the case. Um, So we did have some campus recruiting, but that was more like a networking uh, an opportunity and then after you could put that down in your cover letter that you met XYZ and uh, right. what impression they made and why you want to join the company. But you were so just, you were applying actually, blind. There was no actually on-campus recruiting at your at your university? Uh, there, there wasn't any of that sort that you're probably thinking of yeah. that they would come to the come to campus and then yep. literally hire yeah. straight away. No. Um, what what did happen is uh, I had to go through this traditional you know, selection process, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I applied online, had to fill out a couple online tests and uh, then do a telephone interview. And uh, and then a couple of weeks later, they just invited me for an assistant center and that's where it got. There's a there's what an assessment really there's like an assessment really center to... there's an assessment center and you go in is that like the super day for interns? Yeah, correct. And what what was that like? How many interviews did you have? What was it more kind of actual tests um, like actually so, testing your math and stuff? Yeah, so during the assessment center, um, it was it was quite long, like lasted around six hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had. Uh, we started with um, a written case study, which took around an hour. You had to analyze um, two or three companies okay. and uh, make decisions on um, some of their you know, financial plans, okay. whether you would invest in some of them and or not, and provide reasons why you would do so. Were were you uh, ready for that? that? How did you prepare for this? Were you ready, or was <laughs> it hard? Um, so about these about these assessment centers, you you cannot um, you cannot prepare <laughs> uh, too much to be honest, because uh, they can ask you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I did reach out to some um, 
some candidates who already who already secured a place in the at the internship um, mm-hmm. that I found out on their LinkedIn profile, right? So I yep. just messaged people online to try to get some insights how the recruitment process might be at mm-hmm. uh, an assistant center stage. But they could only tell me high-level information so couldn't really specify about the type of uh, analysis we have to do. Uh, what I was prepared for uh, during the uh, kind of for the assistant center was to really have a good understanding of the various variation methods and uh, in general, like the role of an investment bank. Um, mm-hmm. So for that, I was reading um, quite a few books, uh, but one was particularly helpful. Uh, I tried to find its name. Okay, maybe I can I can That's send okay. you the name later. And yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So yeah. so another um, so basically you were, you had prepared a little bit, but it was more just about the general structure, understanding valuation, um, and just understanding how what investment banks actually do. So as an intern, they wanted to make sure you actually knew what an investment bank was, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, co- correct. And yeah. then for that recent case, uh, I think the the you know, the key thing that you need to know is just have a general understanding of, of the market, the biz, like the market in general, like how the market is doing, like yep. which are the uh, investment kind of types or uh, kind of sizes of companies that and sectors that are expected to perform well and why. And mm-hmm. then when you're reading through the case, just uh, um, kind of be very open-minded and, and creative about what what can create additional value for the firm uh, okay. that that is hidden in the details. It sounds like case interviews. It, it sounds like practicing yeah, case interviews might help you for this. In this exactly, correct. Okay, so so you end up getting the job out of what? How many people were at this bulge bracket? You know, in this in this super day, do you think? And how many how many people so do you what, think got like, offers? Probably we have around. 80 people and 80 of us, uh, yeah, around 10 got the job. Okay. Uh, and then in total around 10,000 applied and then uh, 100 of us received, uh, yeah, an internship opportunity. So it was like about 1,000 applications down to about 100 at the Super Day and yeah. then about 10 actually got the offer for the internship. And so this was a traditional front office kind of uh, investment banking internship in London it's a three what, around a three month internship, correct? Or, yeah, that's correct. And so you started at the at the bank. You were put on a specific in a specific pool or group, and then specifically, you're working how many hours a week? And did you get a return offer? Uh, so the hours, um, hmm. the hours were as I expected. Uh, it's like you're going at nine and. Mm, yeah, stay on till quite late. <laughs> till so let's say, midnight, till 1 a.m.? <laughs> um, to me, that specifically didn't happen um, mm-hmm. or not deliberately. Yeah. Uh, for some, with some of my colleagues, uh, it did happen. So there was quite a lot of variation between the various groups that okay. people were allocated to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the pool that I, I was kind of Allocated to that, that that wasn't that uh, kind of stretched in terms of uh, uh, workload and, and okay. Uh, so so you're there. Do you get a, do you end up getting a return offer, or how did you like your experience? Was it was it something you saw yourself uh, doing long term, or you kind of so, didn't like it? Uh, 
I, I didn't get a return offer. Uh, okay. And I think that was mainly because of the, you know, uh, how to say, lack of cultural fit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it's, lack it's of cultural fit, lack of cultural fit, yeah. and specifically, how many people out of the ten or so got return offers? Do you think, like six? Okay, so j- just to correct on that, because yep. it's not, it wasn't the ten of us who were doing the internship. Oh, okay, hundred people uh, were doing the internship in like a large number of different. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was uh, saying in London, being, in Lo- in the London office. Correct in the headquarters in the London so about a hundred interns. Um, out of those, what percentage would you say approximately got got return offers? Uh, about thirty to forty percent. Thirty to forty percent. Expecting so pretty yeah, well. I was expecting much, um, much more of us to get a return offer. Is that is that standard yeah. for a, a bank? There, I would think it's much higher. I know in the U.S. it's significantly higher at most. Uh, bulge bracket banks. I think it's in the seventy to ninety percent or ninety plus percent at some banks. Is that is that? I was I was expecting the same, but I was quite surprised uh, by the number of uh, uh, by the number of students they recruit to their graduate analyst program straight uh, from the university. So this them bank in particular from, just from didn't invest them from the internship. Yeah, they don't pull as heavily from their internship class as other banks do. Even in London, um, or yeah, sure? I, I was expecting I was expecting a larger proportion to be pulled from the internship. That's correct. But do you know yeah. if the other banks in London do something similar? Because I'm curious if that's if that's a you know a difference from New York. Um, to this is not what I heard, so I I, I, I honestly cannot comment. I, I cannot okay, comment that's fine. That. I think we can. You yeah. can also look. Um, on WSO, there's an industry report on specific banks and the return offer rates and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I could probably dig it out and, and look through it as well. I was just curious if you knew offhand, but okay. So you, you don't get a return offer. So how do you go back to senior? It's you know senior year. You don't have a return offer. How do you actually <laughs> recruit with this kind of now facing you? Is it? Did you feel like it was a black eye? I mean, sixty plus percent of the people didn't get a return offer, so I guess it's not that bad. But um, it probably would have looked a lot worse yeah. if it was ninety five percent got a return offer and you're one of the five, right? Yeah. But yeah, can I you know. can you tell me what the how your what was your approach kind of when you came back senior year? Were you stressed? For sure. Um, so just to clarify a little bit on that too, mm-hmm. uh, in in the UK, you you don't have a four year undergrad. That's in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing it in I was doing my degree in London, so there the undergrad degree is for three years. Yeah. Um, I managed to secure an internship uh, to, to the end of my third year, which was this bucket investment bank internship, by stating in my application that I would be doing a master's, right? Mm, okay, I see what so you're saying. Yeah. Eventually, I didn't end up doing a master's, uh, but that kind of statement that I would be helped me to uh, help me to get an internship, right? I had the plan to do a master's, but after I just changed my mind on that. Um, so, so explain to me why that. the bank is more willing to recruit you if you're you were going to go do a master's. Does it make you more attractive, or is something about with a visa and education? Okay. Yeah. So um, they 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 prefer to have penultimate year students on their internships mm-hmm. because if you if you get a return offer then your start date would be next fall. So you would have to wait around a year uh, to start 
They didn't want to hear that you were just about to graduate and you'd be sitting doing nothing. They didn't want to hear that you were about to um, Is that the yeah, idea? Yeah, I mean, they, are, they are preparing kind of the next class to have a continuous experience, like finish school and then straight after start working. Got it. So let me ask you a question. Although, if you had if you had the return offer, would you have gotten your master's? If you had liked it, let's say you enjoyed the culture there and you actually wanted to work there, would you have gone okay. back and gotten your master's? So if, if, if I... If I uh, received a return offer, probably I would have taken it mm-hmm. and then uh, start working in the firm. But uh, at the same time, look for other banks. Uh, jump. You would have been able to leverage. Yeah. You would have been able to leverage the offer into something yeah. else. That that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the goal was to get the return offer, potentially leverage it to another bank. Not necessarily go get your master's, but if you had to, you could have started your master's. Correct. Got it. Okay. I, I'm following you now. So you're, you're kind of, that means you're basically done with school. You have no return offer. How long do you Correct. have before you have to like leave the country? What's, <laughs> what's, the, what's the deal? I mean, uh, so, so, so I finished, I finished the internship uh, on the 1st of September. I had my graduation on the 6th and I was moving back home on the 10th. Oh my gosh. Because, because the, the thing is, I didn't really see the point of, uh, uh, staying in the UK and doing the applications for the various roles from there uh, and pay the rent, which is quite expensive on the living. Uh, so, if I can do if I can do the same applications from home, so that's why I moved back to Hungary. But you didn't feel like there's and, some value to being there and meeting people. I mean, maybe networking is just very different. I know I've heard it's much more structured. It's much harder to get in and do informational interviews and coffee chats. It's not as culturally accepted it's much more like okay now apply online right is that's the is that the feeling that you Um, got and so it didn't matter if you were in hungary or if you were in london or you know your budapest or london it didn't matter where you were sitting so you went so i I felt that if an opportunity came across Mm -hmm. uh then if the distance wouldn't be too much that i could just fly over right uh so i i when i evaluated this kind of situation for me, it seemed that um, kind of staying home and saving up from the living costs that I would be paying in London, mm-hmm. that would be that would be more valuable to me, uh, even with the fact that I would need to like fly out a couple of times to do interviews. Yeah, if I'm invited. Because it's so much more expensive so, in London than it is in Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, that's ended up uh, coming home and submitting applications from here. Um, that's that's the, one of the reasons, and the other reason is even even if I stayed there, um, like most of the budget bracket firms where I would would have happily gone to work for, right? Mm-hmm. They they were recruiting for a year later, and I didn't want to just sit around and, and do nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I came back and started the application process similar to. I, I did that previously uh, online. Did you feel like you were uh, a tainted candidate because you didn't get a return offer? Was it harder? Did people push you on that? I'd like to hear a little bit more of that because there are a lot of people who are, find themselves in a similar situation um, where they didn't, the culture wasn't a good fit. They, or for whatever reason, they didn't get a return offer and now they have a really tough time in full time. So I'd like to hear a little more of how much the companies pushed you because you ended up at a very reputable asset management um, company um, as an investment analyst, and you've been there now for almost a couple of years, looking like you're you're doing well. So I'd like to just hear on the the recruiting aspect. You know, 
you graduate, you have no job. How, yeah. how is that? How is that specific? Um, that recruiting process, did you have a really tough time or was it something not too bad because you, you went to a decent university? Hmm. Um, so that situation really made me realize um, that even if you have like a brand name university on your CV, that might not mean as much uh, in certain countries as you would expect. Mm-hmm. So from for, for me, moving back from the UK to Hungary and then even submitting my applications to uh, Hungarian companies or even international firms, but based in Hungary, um, didn't have as much as I would expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would like to point out with that is um, for every like student listening to this podcast, like um, try to try to pick the university in the country or in the location where you would like to work later on because the firms who are recruiting uh, locally, they're going to know the local kind of institutions the most. Mm-hmm. So for me coming back to Hungary, like even when I was applying for, for, for jobs here, like I didn't really get that advantage that I should have got from, from the university that was on my CV. Um, so um that was one of the difficulties. The other difficulty was that uh, I was in a very unstructured kind of uh, environment. Like previously, all my life was, you know, go to school, study hard, and then, you know, you, you progress. But then uh, when I hit like graduation and after I moved back home, like I was in the middle of uh, nowhere uh, with, with no structure in my life. Like I didn't, I didn't have any like deadlines, just deadlines that I, I can set up for myself. So I think creating this kind of structured environment uh, was, was really helpful for me to kind of keep progressing. So my structure was like, I wake up uh, every day quite early in the morning and then uh, go to the library uh, and do the applications from there and kind of keep keep learning, like do online coding courses and things with which I can boost my kind of, uh, how to say, uh, kind of personal, your attractive, your attractiveness to employers, your your skills. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so then, after you just like keep submitting applications, um, making sure that these are like specific to, to roles and not just sending off CVs. Uh, um, and so, what was your hit rate? Yeah. Like, you're you're in Budapest. You're kind of at least creating some structure, getting out of the house, kind of to make sure you're kind of not stuck inside all day probably. And so you're exactly, yeah, yeah, I know. Trust me. I work from home. It's, it's not easy. So you're, (laughs) you're basically, um, so you're out and you're, you're, you're getting into your rhythm. You're, you're applying every day. You're being aggressive. Are you seeing, I assume a very low hit rate if these are all online applications, are you getting a response say in 5%, 10% of the, of the things you send out, even rejection letters, and then how many people are actually, how many of the companies you're applying to are actually even giving you a phone interview? And it can be rough um, numbers. It can be rough numbers. I just want to give people a perspective of what they should expect. Yeah, maybe if you apply to, I mean, I applied to about 25 companies and out of those, I, I got like seven interviews. You only applied to 25 yeah, but- companies? In this yeah, whole process, because, because again, like I wasn't just uh, like blindly sending off CVs. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was specifically like targeting companies where I would actually enjoy working. Okay, that's great. Okay, so can you tell me how you found how you actually targeted those specific companies? Is it um, how, like yeah, so after doing banking, did you feel like 
you know, you said, okay, it wasn't a culture fit. Was banking not the culture fit or the specific bank or you just didn't know? Uh, yeah, the, the specific bank. Uh, okay. So I actually really enjoyed work at the, at the company, just like the people I was working in with and the, just how, how the work was structured mm-hmm. or how the internship was structured. That wasn't uh, quiet for me. Can you unpack that? What do you mean by that? How it was structured? Like how the staffing worked and stuff? Um, yeah. So um, first of all, like, like too many interns were put uh, in the same in the same team, mm-hmm. and we, we, we didn't have a signed analyst or associate that we would be working with. We were just like you're floating, drop there, and then <laughs> yeah, make the most of it. Okay. So first, I thought that if I if I go to a senior, more senior people, let's say to vice presidents, mm-hmm. and sit next to them because it was. Uh, how to say, like, you, you could pick your own seats, right? Yep. I, I thought I'm going to be um, more in a, in, a, in a better position because more senior people, I can learn more from them and uh, they have more experience, they have more kind of say in the business. Mm-hmm. So I should be better off. And actually it turned out to be the opposite. So uh, I sat next to like two very senior guys, like both of them vice presidents have been around in the business for yeah, more than eight, eight, eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very nice people. But the problem with that was they couldn't really give me any work because of their seniority. So like the tasks that they were working on were so high level mm-hmm. that uh, the kind of the, the lowest level they could pass that on was an associate, which was not actually sitting nearby right so yeah so someone else was sitting next to that you needed to be with an an, yeah you needed to be with an analyst so like an advice i can give here is (laughs) if you can picture on seat make sure you're sitting next to either an analyst yeah preferably next to an analyst or an associate (laughs) yeah great advice hadn't even thought of that but it's so true like you need you need to be you need to sit where you belong as an intern at the bottom of the totem pole near people who can give you <laughs> grunt yeah, work. Yeah, no one told me that. So, you know, I thought if I'm sitting next to the hey, big guys, no, probably I'd be not a <laughs> Not a bad thought. Not a bad thought. It's, uh, I, I get the logic. <laughs> but, work out. Yeah, I get the so logic. Obviously, after that, you can, after that, you could move around. But um, uh, it's like those those analysts and associates who already had their like interns, you know, that they already trusted and so forth. Right. Like it was just much, much more difficult to move to those uh, places. That's one. And the other thing is just um, like when I was asking for certain types of work to do, mm-hmm. like I felt I was, wasn't getting that. Uh, so that's, you know, that might come down to like patience uh, from my side, but uh, I mean, overall I didn't feel uh, like enough support from, from the managers I was assigned to. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, so continue. Tell me a little bit more about um, specifically this this process. So you applied very targeted to what twenty five to twenty five firms. You got seven first round interviews. Yeah, and so th- this were these were investment banks, asset and asset managers. I assume since you ended up at an asset manager. Yeah, and then consulting, consulting, and consulting. Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, the first rounds you had. Those seven first round interviews. How many of in how many did you make it to two second rounds? Three second rounds. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear about that. Okay, so. Um, and then I promise I'll let you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long one already. 
Oh yeah. It's, it's just interesting to me. It's interesting. I, I like the stories of perseverance after, you know, you kind of fall on your face a little bit and you know, you have to go back home with the yeah, tail you have to persevere, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah. Sorry, continue. Um, um yeah, hard hard to think back. Uh, it was a while ago. Um it can be rough yeah, numbers. It can be rough numbers. Yeah, so, um so I had yeah, seven first round. Uh, from that, I had around five second round. And then uh, in the end, I received what was how many? Two offers or three? Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, were they both at asset management firms or were they one? No, no. Like one was in asset management, like where I actually work now as well. And mm-hmm. the other was in, in uh, supply chain management and logistics. Um, Got it. Basically, whenever whenever I was submitting applications, the the you know the the key pillars I throw in front of myself is like uh, try to get into a role where I would be learning the most that could help me progress in my career later on. And I wasn't picking uh, like sectors that I would be spending my entire life in, let's say uh, kind of logistics or or uh, supply chain management, but but even sectors that I was interested about. To make the the most from the time that I I would be spending there, um, and then from asset management, like the interesting part about that though is uh, while I was submitting these applications, a friend just reached out to me and, and asked if I was interested in an opportunity at this particular firm, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and I said, all right, uh, let let let's see how it like let let's see how it is. Mm-hmm. I submit an application and then after during the interviews, that's where actually things turn out, whether you're interested or not, and, and how the colleagues might be. So I, I would only recommend to, to anyone listening to this is uh, to try to go to as many interviews as possible, because even if a job sounds interesting or not too interesting on the job post, that the team that you interview with and how they explain the actual role might be much more interesting or less. And then based on the experience that you have during the interviews, you can make a much more informed decision whether you actually want to take it or not. Yeah, that's that's so, huge. Take as many interviews as you can get. I always tell people that. You get better at interviewing too. Yes, for the ones yeah, that matter. Yeah, that, that, that's also. Yeah. So that's how I um, ended up getting these two offers. And then essentially what uh, made me decide uh, for like on the asset management was uh, the team the team members that I was interviewing with as well as the kind of the brand name of the firm. Great. And so tell me about a little bit of what you do there. You don't have to get too specific if you don't want. And then um, I'd love just, if you can give us a range in terms of what you've uh, been getting paid um, either at, during your internship and uh, what you've been paid as an investment analyst um, in your first few years. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the, the role that I'm doing currently is um, something that in between uh, in in between client relationship management and portfolio management. Mm-hmm. So I don't specifically uh, do trades or um, decide decide on portfolio allocation, but I do take part in the strategic discussions around uh, the, the asset management of the portfolios and the asset allocation of the portfolios. And influence those discussions uh, via the the 
the discussions that we have with the sales teams. Mm-hmm. So how it works is um, um, as a firm, every um, every portfolio group would have specific relationship managers who uh, would be who would have a complete understanding of the client needs uh, that are interested in a specific portfolio type, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then uh, those relationship managers would be uh, kind of forwarding the request from the clients and the clients can ask any questions uh, from where to allocate, where, where to put their money uh, and what the exposure of the portfolio is in certain kind of asset classes and if we have exposure in, in certain countries, uh, how so the portfolio strategy is changing based on the market environment. And, so uh, you're running analysis, portfolio. you're like a support, you're an analyst for kind of running those analyses on for the... Specific, specific portfolios, yeah. Specific to, portfolios, um, okay. To... And so what do you answer yeah clients inquiries uh, yep. to, uh, keep our clients up to date as well as to pitch for uh, new opportunities uh, when institutional clients want to invest then we have to go through like uh, a usual uh, pitching process to to get the mandate cool awesome sounds interesting and then um, what about pay yeah so the pay is actually <laughs> quite good even in the <laughs> Hungarian standards, so that's uh, around, yeah, uh, the average. I can do a quick uh, exchange tool for you if you want. I can pull up a, if you're being paid in uh, Budapest or Hungarian dollars. Yeah, let's say it's around two two times the average salary in the country. Uh, Okay. So if if you translate that to like U.S. terms, that's somewhere around hundred twenty k plus bonus. Hundred thousand uh, USD plus bonus. Um, yeah, not bad for living in uh, Budapest, right? You can live okay on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not getting paid in dollars. But, no, uh, I know, I know. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yeah, you're saying the equivalent. You're you're the, got it. Got it. Okay, it's the equivalent of that in terms of cost of living adjustment. So it's probably closer to yeah. forty thousand USD or fifty thousand USD. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Okay. So um, great. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we call the pod? Any other piece um, of advice or advice you'd give your younger self, even though you're still really young? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think if you just keep pushing hard, you eventually you're gonna you're gonna get through. Great. Okay, so just keep trying, even if you keep uh, even if you have no job when you graduate. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Just don't give up. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. It's it's tough. Uh, it's tough out there when you know. I think there needs to be a level of self introspection as well for a lot of candidates to know kind of what is realistic and what is not. I mean, you had already landed a bulge bracket summer analyst internship. So you were a little bit more, how should I say, I shall say targeted in your outreach. 25, you know, applications is incredibly low for somebody who doesn't have a job um, right in undergrad, mm-hmm. but it sounded like you knew what you wanted and you made sure that each and every application was specifically targeted. So your hit rate was unbelievable. I mean, it's almost a, 30%, right? 
Um, <laughs> so that's that's really good to getting a first round interview. So kudos to you on that, and congrats on all the success. And thank you thank for you thank you for joining me on the podcast. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.